listening. Uh, these brothers are working hard again to try to get me as much volume as possible. Amen. And uh, <clears throat> if it doesn't work, I'll switch to, switch to another system. But 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number uh, 9 uh, through 18. I want to uh, demonstrate something this morning to you that is helpful for everyone here. Young and old, married, single, this lesson today applies to all of us. I mean all of us. And uh, I'm praying for you, as I often do, that the enemy can't clog your ears. Good to see you, bro. Can't block you up. Can't stop you from hearing the truth. Because I'm telling you right now, whenever you deal with a lesson like this, Satan wants to hinder it. So I want you to open your ears. I'm going to give you the subject in just a second. But refuse to allow the enemy to block what God is saying to you this morning. Come on. First Corinthians chapter six, verse number nine. The Bible says, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He asks a question. He says, don't you know, rhetorical, that the unrighteous won't inherit the kingdom of God? Then he says, be not deceived. Somebody say that with me. Be not deceived. That's very important today. We're in a day of great deception. We're in a gray, uh, a day to where people want to stay in the gray areas. There is no absolute truth. There is no black and white. A day of great deception. The Bible says, be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covets, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. He gives us a list of people who will not go to heaven. Do you see that? Let's go a little bit further. And such were some of you. <laughs> you glad that that's not who you are if you've been saved? But you are washed and ye are sanctified. But you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of, watch this, our God. We're not justified by any other God. We're not justified by Buddha, by Muhammad. By yoga in our way into peace, we are justified by the spirit of our God, the God of the Bible, that is. Verse 12, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meat for the belly and belly for meats, but God should destroy both it and them. Now the body, though, watch this, is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. Know ye not, somebody shout, my body, that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Paul says. Paul, you can tell, is getting an attitude by now with Corinth. He says, What? Do you, do you understand what you're saying? Paul's getting frustrated. See, Corinth had a problem with sexual lasciviousness. Paul says, what? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. 
But he that is joined to the Lord unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without his body. But he that committed fornication sinneth against his own body. I want to teach this morning from this thought sexual sins. Sexual sins. This is a good one. Don't you dare let the enemy make you cringe up. It's funny that the things we love the most, we don't want to talk about. <laughs> we don't want to talk about money. We don't want to talk about sex. And everybody likes both of them. <laughs> if you're of age. If you're underage, you shouldn't be having it. But the things we love the most, ooh, don't go there. That's the trick of the enemy. Don't want you to deal with these things from the pulpit. Don't want you to deal with, don't want you to deal with the pornography habits of people. Doesn't want you to deal with the hidden agenda of Satan because you see, I see the shout on Sunday morning, but God sees us in secret. God sees what happens, as Daryl Coley says, when the music stops. If the pastor doesn't deal with things that are real and notice now, I'm not going to say stuff that our old churches used to say. Some of us got delivered from this. Let's just keep it real. Let's just keep it real. We all got issues. You know, you want to leave here and go do some stuff. You're not keeping it real. And then they make you feel bad for being saved because you are trying to be holy because you're trying not to have issues because you're trying not to slip and dip. I'm not going to say stuff like that during this message. I am going to teach fundamental truths on how to rebuttal the trick of the enemy because it is this demon right here that is tearing up homes, killing people every single day. So having said that, can I take you through a theological journey? Are you ready? Come on, write this down. All sins are not on the same level. Come with me to the book of 1 John. Now, I'll be reading for the most part today. I just read out of King James, but I'm going to be dealing with uh, the New Living Translation. So I'll let you what, know what verse I'm on. But in the New Living Translation, they break it down real good for us. All sins are not on the same level. Let me see the hands of people you've heard someone say or either you yourself have said it. Oh, you can't judge me because all sin is sin. Anybody ever heard that? You, you, anybody you're trying to bring out of a false religion or a false lifestyle, anytime you talk to them, their, their main argument is you can't tell me to stop fornicating because all sin is sin. All sin is sin. Are y'all going to say amen this morning? Amen. All sin is sin. Everybody falls short of the glory of God. Now, I'm going to show you in Scripture. That all sin is not on the same level. Now, stay with me this morning. Go with me to first John verse 16 and 17. And we're walking through scriptures today. I'll go back to hooping in about two, three weeks, but we don't need a hoop today. Amen. I told you last Sunday that makes you carnal. You start getting into that hooping every week. Oh, you're just waiting for it. When he going to tune up ain't hear nothing he said. We'll go. We'll go back to hooping after a while. I believe in hooping. I'm not going to lose my culture. I like shouting. Amen. I like enjoying church. I'm not that sophisticated. Amen. But today I'm going to help somebody get free for real. Somebody shout free for real. Listen to what he says, Regina, in first John five sixteen through 17. The Bible says if you see a Christian brother, verse 16 or sister sinning in a way, watch this, that does not lead to death, you should pray. And God will give that person life. But there is a sin that leads to death. And I am not saying that you should pray for those who commit it. 
Verse 17, every wrong is sin, but not all sins lead to death. Do y'all see that? Now, as Aaron often says to me after church, you can't argue with the Bible. Every sin is wrong, but not all sins lead to death. Why are you dealing with that, Gabe, when it comes down to sexual sin? Write this down. Two categories of sin. Number one, sins that lead to death. And number two, sins that don't lead to death. There are sins that will ultimately lead to death. What kind of death? The death of hell is what John is referring to. But there are also sins that do not lead to the death, if you will, or death in your own body. I know the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. But John clarifies and he rightly divides the word of truth. And he helps us to understand that there are sins that lead fundamentally to death. They will kill you every time. Are you with me? Can I give you an example of a sin maybe that does not lead to death? Come with me to Matthew chapter 15. Can we learn scripture this morning and write these passages down? I'm telling you, you're going to be a great theology student. You're going to be able to stand toe to toe with anybody that would try to rebuttal this thing. See, most people, John Jalen, they don't want to argue. You know why they don't want to argue with people? Because they don't have nothing to argue with. Most Christians say, oh, I'm not going to argue with you because you don't know the Bible. That's why you don't argue. <laughs> you, you can't argue with something. It's like going to court with an attorney that doesn't know the law. Judge, I'm not going to argue with you. Just go ahead and kick, convict my client because I ain't going to argue with you today. Let the prosecuting attorney win. No, no, no. Jude said that we are to contend for the faith. James says, if I'm not mistaken, to always have an answer. We're not evasive of truth. We have answers. We're not figuring it out as we go along. We know the answer. We know that we don't believe in many paths to one God. We understand that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by him. We are not coexist people. We are not yin and yang people. We believe in the fundamental truths of scripture and that they are inerrant. They have no error. Are you with me this morning? But there are sins that do not lead to death. Listen to what uh, what Jesus does, because the Pharisees got frustrated with Jesus in Matthew chapter 15. And Jesus comes and he clarifies something to him. Jesus says in verse uh, number 11, you are not defiled by what you eat. You are not defiled by what you say and do. Then the disciples came and asked him, verse number 12, do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? (laughs) Somebody shout, I'm offended. That's what's wrong with most of our churches today. They're offended. Oh, I'm just so offended. He said something about homosexuality. I'm offended. You notice we get offended by stuff that's unrighteousness, but the stuff that is righteous, we just, we don't even care about. We're invasive of it. We're never offended by that stuff. Oh, man, don't let the preacher say stop sleeping with your boyfriend. I'm offended. We'll be offended. Because the fact of the matter is, Jesus replied and said, verse 13, every plant not planted by my heavenly father will be rooted up. Verse 14, so ignore them. They are blind guides, leaving the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into the ditch. Ignore them, he says. Pay those people no mind. We pay too much attention to what the critics say. Jesus said, whatever. I'm not even going to have this discussion with the Pharisees. 
But Gabe, what's your point? Don't you, and then Peter asked and said, verse 15, explain what you meant when you said to, people aren't defiled by what they eat. Because see, under the law, based on what you eat, you could be like defiled. You, it would be a sin unto death. Jesus clarified. He said, Peter, in so many words, we're under grace. Listen to what he says. He says, uh, verse 16, don't you understand? Jesus asked him, verse 17, anything you eat passes through the stomach and goes out the body. Verse 18, but evil words come from an evil heart and defile the person who says them. Verse 19, from the heart come evil thoughts. Here are sins unto death, murder, adultery, and all other sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Verse 20, eating with unwashed hands could never defile you and make you unacceptable to God. Wow. I'm glad to hear that because there's plenty of days that my wife's cooking smells so good that I don't go to the sink and wash my hands before I take a bite of that chicken. See, that freed me up right there. And I know it's all kinds of bacteria on my hand, Travis, but I got to have a taste of that chicken right now. Why am I teasing you? Because we major in minors, but minor in majors. The things that really count, we don't deal with. The things that are really sins unto death that Jesus just uh, talked about, murder, adultery, fornication, sexual sins. We don't want to deal with them because they challenge everybody. See, you will not go to hell for having a bad attitude. In fact, if you get the Holy Ghost and the fruit of the spirit at some point, you won't have a bad attitude. How do I know that this is true? And they will go nameless. But my brother and I could tell you we grew up in the church. There was a mother. We will call her. You'll know exactly who I'm talking about when I start talking. We will call her Mother C. Now, Mother C was the meanest Christian you would ever meet in your life. She was so mean that when we would get to church, we would not walk past her aisle. Because we knew when we walked past her, we were going to get rebuked for something. She would say, get over here, put your, pull your pants up, go somewhere and sit down. I didn't do anything. Just go sit down. You follow me? But Mother C had, I mean, she loved God. She was rigid in her thinking and she's not in, in, on earth anymore. She's in heaven. I believe when I get to heaven, I'm going to see her. You follow me? See, that was a personality trait. That was just who she was on some levels. But that wasn't a sin unto death. Are you following me? Thank God that bad attitudes aren't sent on the death. My wife has them every other day. <laughs> but God's going to help her with that. Preach. All the men say man up. Come on, man. All right. Don't y'all get weak on me. Amen. You're supposed to be saying amen. You know, your wife has an attitude problem, too. Don't act like mine is the only one. <laughs> you know that's in reverse. I always tease her, but that, yeah, that's in reverse. So the fact of the matter is, having bad attitude, oh, my, oh man, all that stuff doesn't send you to hell. But when a person engages in sexual sins, I'm going to help you right now, i.e. pornography, sex outside of marriage, uh-oh, masturbation. Okay, don't you know there are kids in here? Help the kids. Help them not to look at the same swank magazine that you looked at when you were 11 that messed up the next 15 years of your life. Help them not to stay in the basement of their friend's house while you're at work and watch another pornographic film that gave them a hunger for things and now they can't control their flesh even at the humble age of 45. 
Gabe, how is masturbation a sin? How do we know that that's a problem? How do we know that uh, that's a real issue? Go with me to Matthew chapter five. You see, because when you engage in such sexual sin, we're walking through this thing. You have to sin in your thought pattern. You see, you have to have a certain dialogue. See, when a person actually engages in that uh, lascivious act, they don't even need a picture in front of them. All they need is an image. I'm going to teach you a little bit about psychology. Can I use my psychological background? Let me show you something. Come with me to Matthew chapter 527 first, though. Then I'm going to show you a little something. Because, see, this is going to shore up your marriage. This is going to shore up your single lifestyle. This is going to shore up your whole disposition of living holy. It's not the things that you do that everybody sees. It's what you do in the dark that no one knows about. Somebody shout hallelujah. Watch this. Matthew chapter five, verse 27. You have heard that the law of Moses says, do not commit adultery. This is Jesus teaching us. But I say anyone who even looks at a woman with lust in his eyes has already committed adultery in his with his heart. Y'all see that? So if your eye, even if your your good eye causes you to love, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown in hell. Notice that Jesus uh, equates this sexual sin or he compares it or he collaborates it right with hell. You know, I told you last week we don't talk about hell anymore. Oh, I'm not a fire and brimstone preacher. What kind of preacher are you? Please have lunch with me so that you and I, Mr. Theology, can go through scripture so I can understand how you don't understand when God told the preacher to cry aloud and spare not and show my people their sins. How you don't understand that God has anointed you to preach uh, to the captive to set them free. How you don't understand that on Sunday morning it is prime time to keep somebody from going to hell. Not another warm, fuzzy speech on how to get your stuff back on how God's going to get your enemies fact of the matter is if God was going to get your enemies he should get you too because you messed up some people we don't want to hear that how about the folk you did wrong did God get you you keep messing with me I'm anointed touch not my anointing do my prophet no harm I'm anointed God going to make you shrivel up and die really well, I hope he doesn't decide to judge you first, because if he does, all those folks that you've crossed. Oh, that's another lesson. But in order to engage in that sexual sin, I'm helping somebody come out of darkness. You have to have a thought pattern. You see, perversion is so sick that it will make you over time. It will transform you into thinking about your own sister. That's how wicked perversion is. You don't think I'm right? Oh, I'm going to show you some statistics in just a second. It will make you start thinking about all of the people you encounter in the wrong way. Every woman you see, every man you see, you have to undress them. Somebody shout perversion. I'm trying to help you. Some of you came out of that wicked spirit. This is to show you up. Some of you are in it right now and God's trying to bring you out. It will make you totally denounce all normalcy when you get real perverted. You get the I got to have this. Why do you think they find all those? They call them men that have sex with men. But why do you think they find those guys having sex in parks and in school bathrooms? They have no self-control. 
They have no self-control whatsoever. They will do it anywhere. They don't care anything about being exposed. It overtakes you. You become possessed. So you've got to deal with the fact that even if you're not having sex with a person, but it is recurring in your thought process, you are still bound. Is that the Bible? So now I want to tell you, I told you I was going to help you with some psychology. I'm going I'm to walk you through this thing. But let me tell you how the brain works. This is why you can't look at pornography. This is why you can't look at magazines. By the way, just because it's not an X-rated magazine does not mean it's not an inappropriate magazine. You see, you can't subscribe to Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue and be free. You see where I'm coming from? Because when you're real perverted, you can see underneath the bikini. Your imagination will create a body. Your imagination will make you think you're with that woman. Oh, I'm teaching good whether or not I get an amen. The fact of the matter is, Melinda, our mind remembers stuff even from when we were six. Can I teach you some of my psychology training on this? I'm going to tell you how powerful your mind is. And you see if you can't finish these songs when I start singing it. Y'all ready? You ready to finish the song? I'm going to show you how powerful your mind is. Some of you came up during the 80s. Oh, this is going to be good stuff, Melvin. You guys get ready to sing. Now, if you act like you don't know it, I'm coming off this stage, and I'm going to hand you the mic. Y'all sing with me now. You ready? Here we go. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that. Anybody heard that commercial lately? I haven't. Last I heard it, I think I was a kid. See how powerful your mind is? There's something in the front of your frontal lobe called the executive functioning of your brain. It stores information. It stores those magazine images. It stores all that stuff that you saw when you were two and four and six. That's why you don't expose your babies to wickedness. Because the brain stores it up. Later on in life, they see a woman that looks just like Debbie does Dallas. And they got to have her. Let me help you a little bit more. Rise, Cerrone. <laughs> Y'all know it. Anybody had Rice Cerrone or heard the song lately? I haven't. Now, I like the rice, but I hadn't heard the song lately. All right. Now, I know you'll know this one. Oh, the best part of waking up. God almighty, give yourself a hand. I have not heard the Folgers commercial in years. In fact, I don't even drink Folgers. I don't like it. It's too bitter. I haven't heard the commercial in years, but your mind is so powerful that it can go back to all of those things and make it reoccur. Well, when you watch the wickedness of sex and pornography and when you are exposed to it and when you have sexual partners, it's not just about what you see. When you have all those kinds of things, they recur in your soul. So much so until your body gets the I got to have it. Flintstones, meet the Flintstones. They're the modern Stone Age family. From the town of Bedrock, there a page right out of his God almighty, y'all are good. I just want to make sure Sharon and I had the right church this morning. Y'all are good. You see that? Now, I have not seen the Jetsons or the Flintstones in 20 years. 
but your mind even remembers melodies. It can reoccur. Let me tell you how powerful my mind is. Sometimes when we're in deliverance, the spirit of the Lord, my soul will go back to a song that we used to sing years ago. Got to recall it because he wants to give somebody a healing. All of a sudden I'll hear the sky is the limit to what I can have years ago. Powerful song. But God is saying this woman with cancer needs to hear that. Sing a little bit of that. That's how your mind works. So now why am I teaching this to you? Because the psychology of it mixed with scripture and scripture stands on its own, by the way. It does not need psychology to validate it. I'm just using those tools to help you to understand that your mind is a powerful tool. And see, God is convicting some people right now. He's trying to help you. I have no agenda. There is nothing about me that wants to hurt anybody this morning. I'm trying to get somebody free. I need somebody to give Jesus great praise and get the devil out of this place. Hallelujah. How do we know that sex out of sin leads to death? Well, these are all validated statistics according to the Center for Disease Control. This is why you can't hoop every Sunday. Gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex with men. Stop right there. First of all, they rename sin. So you're not a homosexual anymore. You're a man that has sex with men. It's no longer an STD. They've changed the term now to STI. So it's not a disease. It's a sexually transmitted infection. You see, you just had a discrepancy when you cheated on your wife. You just had an indiscretion. You didn't get into sin. You didn't have adultery. You just had an indiscretion. Somebody shout, be not deceived. deceived. According to the CDC, bisexual and other men who have sex with men represent only 2% of the U.S. population, yet are the most uh, population most severely affected by HIV. And are the only, somebody shout only, only risk group in which new HIV infections have been increasing steadily since the early 90s. In 2006, homosexuals accounted for more than half of all new HIV infections in the United States. You see, they want gay pride, but they won't tell you the death sentence attached to it. They want all the the legal uh, benefits of getting married, but they won't tell you how it kills you. They won't tell you how you'll have to wear an anal plug so that you don't bleed during the day. They will not tell you how you'll need. Oh, yeah, let it be gross. This is good for you. This is how you come out of sin. Anybody who ever came out of sin, they had to see how wicked their sins are. They had to see how gross they were. They had to see how perverted they were. And then they said, I yield, I yield. What must I do to be saved? Talking about some love one out. Let me tell you how you love one out. You love one out by telling them that if you don't cut that out, you are going to be in this 53% of men who die by the time they are 40. Oh, they don't like my talk this morning, God, but I got to teach it because I got to help somebody who just might want to hear this morning. A recent CDC study found that urban men who have sex with men in 21 cities in 2008 who were unaware of their HIV infection, 55% had not been tested in the previous 12 months. And they're sleeping with you. You see, my sister, they're not only sleeping with their brother and their friends. But they have sex with you, too, because perversion does not discriminate. When you're real perverted, you'll take it anyway. 
You'll take a woman. You'll take a man. You'll take a child. Anything you can get your hands on. You know what I asked my abnormal psychology class the last time I taught it? I said, listen, let me ask you a question. Travis may have been there. I said, what is abnormal? If we're going to play the biology card that everybody's born this way, so what's abnormal? What is that? Somebody define that for me. And this is a secular class, so you know I really stepped in it that night. Raise your hand. What is abnormal? Well, you see, we can't really judge people, Dr. Rogers, because we don't really, you, you get an F. <laughs> I didn't give her an F. But what is abnormal? You know, let me tell you what, okay, so, okay, well, I don't want to judge people. Okay, good, good, good. I thank y'all for that answer. Now, here's what I want everybody to do who doesn't think that there's an abnormal. How many of you got kids? Raise your hand. After this class today, since everybody's born gay, everybody's born with a, a, a tendency to be wicked, as I put it, I want you to take your children. I want you to look on the Mecklenburg sex offender website. I want you to find the closest sex offender in your neighborhood. Drop your child off with them for two hours because nothing's abnormal after all. You see, a pedophile could have four beautiful women that he can choose from and one 12-year-old girl and he will prefer the 12-year-old girl because he is wicked, because he is possessed, because he has not been delivered from his sins and he does not get delivered in your flowery, flowery excuse me, services that never touch it, that never deal with it, that never talk with it. Let me tell you something. If you leave here today and you stay in homosexuality or you stay in perversion, the blood is off my hands and God's going to judge you. Give Jesus great praise in this place. That's why I preach with so much authority. I could care less who likes me. Jesus said he made of himself no report. I don't care if the Charlotte pastors don't want to have lunch with me. My wife is prettier than them anyway. I could care less. Care if you like me? Bump into me at the mall. Oh, there he goes. That's why you don't. Let me tell you why some of them didn't come to gay pride. They would have saw some of their friends down there. Oh, they don't like my talk this morning. Somebody, thank you, Melinda. Melinda taught me that one. Somebody's lying. Somebody not telling the truth. Listen, at some point in their lifestyle, still statistics, we're going back to the Bible, one in 16 men will be diagnosed with HIV. One in 32 black women. By the end of 2007, HIV, watch this black people, was the third leading cause of death for black women and black men ages 35 to 44. The third leading cause? It wasn't heart attacks. It wasn't car accidents. It wasn't strokes. It was none of that stuff. HIV. Let me tell you, let me tell you how you know your young pastor loves you. Because at least I'll say it. They don't love you when you don't ever say anything. You don't ever have an epiphany to slip up and say, oh, don't have a sex with a man. I mean, no, nowhere in your hoop when you're saying, and God's about to make a way out of no way. If somebody stops sleeping with a man, you don't ever have that epiphany during your preaching. You don't have to like my talk this morning. That's because it is an agenda. Carlton Pearson coming out is an agenda. Eddie Long being indicted is an agenda. 
All these things are a wicked agenda to bamboozle you, get your money, and go and be lascivious. I could care less. Yeah, I said their name. So it's the third leading cause. African Americans continue to experience higher rates of sexually transmitted disease than any other racial ethnicity in the U.S. African Americans. And then T.D. Jakes gets on CNN and says, but the Bible has no answer for HIV. When they ask him, they said, Brother Jakes, how come you have 20,000 people, 10,000 people in your arenas? How come you don't stop long enough to address? I love the reporters because they ask you the hard questions. You know, your community is dying with HIV. How come you don't stop long enough just to address it? I mean, they don't even got to preach about it. How come they don't just say, y'all, we're going to take five minutes and talk about HIV? Well, you know, the Bible has no real answers for The Bible has no real answers for AIDS. All right. That's what he said. See, I can say this stuff because it's public knowledge. I'm not indicting a man. I'm just saying what he said. When you get home, YouTube, CNN, TV, Jakes, see what he says and stop buying the CDs. Keep your money. Hard-earned money. And why need to buy them? No more sheets. God's going to take the sheets off of you. You don't have to have any more sheets. I'm dizzy now. No more sheets. When they really have nothing but sheets. But if then, why, Gabe, are you saying this? Because, see, research has demonstrated that the main mechanism of communication in the African-American community has been through the church. You see, you have to say this stuff in church. We don't go to health fairs. We don't go to rally. We come to church. This is when you have a captive audience. In the 60s, where did Dr. King and all those people get their rallies going? If you look at the old videos, they met in Mason's Temple in the church. So most of our churches have changed their mind about sin. We'd rather say, get ready, get ready, get ready. I'm coming out of this mess. Favor ain't fair. Ten ways to turn your life around by tomorrow. <laughs> by tomorrow. Got 13 kids out of wedlock, but God going to turn that thing around by tomorrow. Nobody teaches consequences anymore. So write this down. I'm going. My time is fleeting me. Four things then that perversion does to a person. Four things. Go with me back to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 18. Number one, it makes you think that you are smarter than you really are. That's what, per excuse me, perversion does. It convinces you. And y'all hear me. Remember, you're rebuttling the spirit of offense. If you get offended, let me tell you how God works with people. He gives you opportunity. But you get offended at a word like this and walk away, somebody shout judgment. Don't you know that God never sends destruction without warning? The book of Romans even teaches us that he has placed in all men a conscience. That's even before you ever get saved. Your conscience tells you that there's a better way. But you don't hear the warning, that's when judgment shows up. That's why I'm doing this. This is not a waste of a Sunday. 
We got to go back to teaching fundamental Sharon Felicia. We got to go back to this good stuff. I hope you pay your money. We're going to be all right. How many of you know God is our source? You following me? You have never heard me preach a message to manipulate money out of you. Mm -mm. You know what I do every Sunday? Take up the offering. And God has provided every single time. We are a healthy church. We are doing good. In a few more years, we'll have our own church building. Amen. Because you manage things right. You don't have to be wicked to be blessed. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. See, when I open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive, you don't have to buy into no foolishness to be blessed. Come on, go with me through this thing now, man. This is going to bless you. Four things. Number one, I told you, it makes you think that you're smarter than you really are. Look at this. Verse number nine. I'm coming out of New Living Translation now. Don't you know that those who do wrong will have no share in the kingdom of God? The Bible says... Don't fool yourself. If you have King James, it says, be not deceived. Watch this. Those who indulge in what? Sexual sins. Let me let me go ahead and fly in the face of this. We all fall short of the glory. You see, sometimes. I eat too much fried chicken. And go for my annual physical. And the doctor says, you got to slow down on the dairies and. You got to cut back on the grease. You're a healthy young man, but you got to slow down on that stuff because uh, your cholesterol is a little higher than it should be. Is that wrong? Yeah. I shouldn't be eating like that. Will it kill me? Yeah, physically. But when I get to heaven, the other angel Gabriel is simply going to say, oh, man, come on in the pearly gates. You just ate too much cholesterol. Come on. You just cut your life short. Not sending me to hell. But sexual sin will send you to hell. Somebody shout hell. hell. So that it's not a bad word. And the Bible says, don't be deceived. Don't fool yourself. Number two, it makes you a slave to your flesh. You get the I got to have it. Watch this. Verse number 12. You may say, I am allowed to do anything, but I will reply, not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do everything, I must not become a slave to anything. New Living Translation says in verse number 12, sexual perversion makes you a slave to it. Number three, it makes you change the natural use of your bodies. You see, certain things your body weren't made for. Your body was not made for. Paul says when a man gets in sexual sin, he sins against his own body. It makes you change the very natural use of your body. Look at verse number 13. This is what you call expository teaching. Verse number 13, you say food is for the stomach and stomach is for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But our bodies were not made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord and the Lord cares about our body. Do y'all see that? Thank God the Lord delivered us, some of us from a wicked lifestyle. I'll be the first to tell you that the Lord delivered me years ago, and I'm so glad about it. But the truth is, we were never meant to have multiple partners. Never meant to have it. We were never meant to go from one bed to another. You see, you are sinning against your body, the natural use of your body. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. 
Number four, it makes you open, listen to this one, to demonic oppression. You get in sexual sin, it makes you open. Lori, it makes us open to demonic oppression. Come on, y'all, stay with the preacher now. And see, I got to go ahead and rebuke the devil because I see I can hear in the spirit and I can tell he's trying to derail somebody. I can tell he's trying to get you upset to a fault to where you can't hear the truth. Let's take a praise break right there. Kick Satan out and let him know that Jesus is still Lord. This is spiritual warfare. Come on. Give Jesus praise. Come on. Come on. You'll have no victory. Somebody's going to be free today. Come on. Somebody's going to be delivered today. Somebody's coming out today. That's intercession. So the fact of the matter is, it makes you open to demonic oppression. God Almighty, go with me to verse number 15. Are you still with me? Don't you realize, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 15, that your body are actually parts of Christ? Should a man take his bodies which belongs to God and join them to a prostitute? He says never. Verse 16. And don't you know that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. The two have become one. Many people today who are undelivered are still walking around with the souls of the 10 partners they had five years ago. Oh, let the Holy Ghost convict you. That's why every time he calls, his voice does something to your body. It makes your body warm for him. That's why when he comes into town, as Pastor Rondi said, the trucker that meets you once a month. He comes into town, all he's got to do is say, where you at? You see that where you at is not really to say, where are you? That really at is to say, come meet me, let's have sex. Your body craves for it. That's why when I do premarital counseling, I often talk to both partners and uh, couples, if you will, spouses about their sexual past. It's needful because if they have not denounced that. You will carry that into your marriage. Married couples, hear me good. God has not ordained you while you're with your spouse to be thinking about someone else. Just so that you can have a capstone experience. You have got to be so circumspect because the enemy is trying to get in here. He's trying to get in your imagination. He's trying to turn you out. You have got to denounce the devil. This is when it gets serious, y'all. So it makes you open to demonic oppression. Go with me to Romans chapter one. Oh, I thank God. Thank you, Jesus. You see, I know how to keep Satan out. I know what he's trying to do. You know what I did? And I'm not saying this because I need glory. But this week I went on a serious fast because I knew that this Sunday I knew that the devil didn't want you to hear it. I knew that the devil would try to make me to be your enemy. I knew that the devil would try to tell you that I am judgmental. I knew that the devil would try to tell you I ain't never going back to that church again. I knew that the devil would try to tell you that that's not for you. You just slip and fall every now and again. Listen, if you are in sexual sin, you are not saved. Did I just say that? 
First Corinthians nine. You got to read it again because, see, go ahead and go to Romans. I got two Bibles. You go to Romans one. But some people think that they are saved. They really believe that they can slip and fall, masturbate every other day, hook up with somebody once a month. Because, see, I know how it works. The maintenance plan is this. I'll have real sex once a month, but I'll please myself in the interim. You're not saved. You are practicing sexual sin. My brother, when your wife goes to bed and you tell him you got tell her you got to sign on to do some work before you come up. But your fingers ooze to another site. You are not saved. First Corinthians six and nine. I don't need an amen on that. Don't you know that those who do wrong will have no share in the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourself. Those who indulge in sexual sin. Stay at Romans one. Those who indulge in sexual sin will have no place in the kingdom of God. Go with me to Romans 1 now. Let's sum all this up, John. Romans 1 gives it to us real clear. And see, my heart goes out to believer because many of you in here, you are a product of so many years of wrong teaching and preaching. That's why I'm preaching this with compassion. You have been taught that Christianity is just a warm, fuzzy belief system, that it doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter what you do. God still loves you. And yeah, he will still love you. Don't you know that God still loves the people who chose to go to hell? Jesus said, I would that none should perish. I don't want you to go to hell. Yet hell is larger in terms of capacity. We saw that last week. Go back and listen to a letter from hell than heaven is. Listen to what he says in Romans chapter one. Bible says, wherefore, God gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own body between themselves. You can get so perverted, young person. God to give you up to your own will, your own self. And let me tell you what perversion does to you. Somebody say it makes you change the truth. Verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creator creation more than the creator who is blessed forever. For this cause, God gave them up until vile affections for even their woman lesbianism did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise, also the men, sodomy, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust toward another man, men with men, working that which is unseemingly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error, which was met. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, let me tell you what Satan will do. He'll make you disown truth. They didn't want to retain God in their knowledge. They don't want to hear anything. Anybody work with anybody like that? They don't want to hear anything about truth. They don't want to hear anything. They do what they did with Stephen. Stephen was preaching so hard in the book of Acts that they blocked up their ears. They did not want to hear what Stephen had to say. Like what Satan's trying to do you this morning. And they will do this, Demon. And then uh, verse number 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do the things which are not convenient or to do the things that are unholy. You see, when God turns you over, there's no more chance to get it right. There are some people who are lost for good. How do we know that they're lost for good? Can I show you this? Go with me to First Timothy chapter four. And then I'm going to give you the remedy and my time is up. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
You see, in order to preach and teach with authority, it doesn't mean that you got to tune up. I'm preaching with authority right now. And I told you I believe in tuning up. I, I'm not going to stop hooping. I like shouting. I like having church. But let me tell you something. Sometimes you got to tune up in your heart. Sometimes you need a somber, quiet moment just like this so that people can come to the cross of Calvary. People who think that they're saved can come and get it right for real. But if you stay in sin too long, hear this warning this morning, it will be too late. You will be the walking dead. You can be alive and damned. Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4. Oh, Pastor Gabe, is just, he just has no compassion. No, I got compassion. I got compassion because I'm, I'm taking the risk. Taking a risk that most pastors won't take. I know a few that'll take it, but I don't know a whole lot. The ones that I know in North Carolina that'll take it, I can count on two hands. I don't know many. We are a small community. Our community is so small until we got an organization, organization called Our Own Company Fellowship. I'm telling you, that's what it's called. And we meet every year at Myrtle Beach and we discuss truths and all those kinds of things because our community is so small. Pastor Patrick Wooden in Raleigh, North Carolina. You follow me? Small community. A couple of other pastors up the road. Small community. We have to touch bases with each other to make sure we're not losing our mind. Because people are so seared. Don't want to hear truth. Watch this, Redina. First Timothy chapter four. Now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter, latter times, somebody say right now, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy. This is how you know they're lost. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. You see, when something is seared with a hot iron, it's burned into place. There's no flexibility with it. They will smile and convince you that they're still saved. They'll smile and convince you that they're still on their way to heaven. They will have no struggle with their sin. They'll have no struggle with unrighteousness. Their conscience has literally been seared. When we went down to gay pride the other day and joined forces with the Christian community uh, with uh, God has a better way. And y'all know we didn't bash him. We went down to minister Christ and we stood for the cross down there on North Tryon. We bumped into people whose conscience was you could see it in their eye. They did not want to hear. They did not want to know. They, that one even discussed scripture with me. I told him, I said, I respect something about you. At least you'll discuss scripture. At the end of the discussion, he had to go because he knew there was no scripture to validate his lifestyle. He knew that there was no passage that would give him credence for being in that lifestyle. His conscience had been. When you don't hear righteous preaching, your conscience it's seared. See, when we open this altar, if you don't come down and you have been in these kinds of acts, your conscience is seared. And I don't know when the Lord will give me another opportunity to teach or preach this, but you better get it today, because if not, your conscience is seared. But what's the remedy? You don't have to turn there. Here it is. Write it down. First Corinthians six and 18. Flee fornication. Good God. Let's get happy now. Flee the stuff that God hates. Flee fornication. You see, when Joseph was tempted by Potiphar's wife, he did not stay and try to fight it. He ran. He got out of Dodge. Some people lie and say, oh, I got enough strength. Do you really? Oh, we just going to watch movies together tonight. Are you really? 
Are you that strong? Are you that powerful? By the way, now, when you are dating to get married, it is natural to have a desire for the person you are in love with. That's why you go ahead and do it fast. I'm telling you right now, every single person under this ministry, when you are dating, I'm going to be checking in with you. And those those who are now, I'm not going to call their name because that's not appropriate. But those who are now, they know they talk to me. We talk often because now, listen, if the marriage is five years away. (laughs) Something is wrong with one of (laughs) y'all. Stephanie had such a problem, I had to move the date up. Had to hurry up and get married just for her. She couldn't contain that. She's seeing me week after week. She finally told me, she said, you know what, Derek? Let's go ahead and do this wedding right now. Let's go ahead and get it done. Amen. See, I'm really setting myself up for later on. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, I know what I'm talking about. By the way, I brought home 12 dozen roses this week. I know what I'm doing. I got sense. There were strings attached to those roses. That wasn't just me, just, I, I had an agenda. I know you guys want to hear, oh, he's just so sweet. He just brought, he had no agenda. No, I had an agenda. Married people have agendas. They flirt. They send each other text messages. Yeah, they do. What, what are you doing? That's what married folk do. Here's the remedy. All right, this. Number one. You have to be delivered from the things of darkness. Don't turn there. My time is out. First Corinthians six and 18 or first second Corinthians four and two. It says second Corinthians four and two. We have renounced the hidden things of darkness. You have to be delivered. You have got to be delivered. That's the first point. Before you can have healthy accountability, before you can have all those wonderful things we have, good counseling, all those kinds of things, you've got to be spiritually delivered. I'm going to give you that opportunity today. Number two, you need godly accountability. James chapter five, verse 16. See, this is instructional stuff. This is the kind of stuff that keeps you safe. James chapter five, verse number 16 says, confess your faults one to another. You have got to have a confession partner. And he can't be your boyfriend. Can't be the person who has the same struggle you have. You have a confession partner. Number three, this is so important, saints of God. Don't give yourself, this is the remedy, any credit. You are evil on your best day. Number three, don't give yourself any credit. You are evil. I mean, just what I said, on your best day. You are saved by the grace of God, but you, your flesh is evil. You're a nice person, but you are wicked in your flesh. Oh, I'm right. You're saved from sin in your spirit and you're working out your soul salvation, but your flesh will never. My brother said it in the men's fellowship not long ago. Your flesh will never be saved. When you see a naked woman, you will always have a reaction. I don't care how much you fast and pray. Boy, this is the good stuff this morning. This is the stuff where David said, purge me with hyssop. 
<laughs> and I'll be whiter than snow. You know what hyssop was? It was a plant. It had an ointment on it. Get that plant on me and purge me with hyssop. Let me tell you what else hyssop was. It had a branch attached to it. God, give me a spanking so that I can be purged, so that I can be whole. Whip me back into shape. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Rod to beat off the wolves, but the staff to pull me back in order. You see, you've got to embrace the fact that you can't give yourself any credit. You can't watch Blockbuster flicks together with no one else around. Brianna, you can't be in a college dorm and just chill with no one else around. Oh, come with me to Romans chapter 7. I told you I was going to teach for young people and old people alike. This is why we don't have a breakout youth church yet. We don't need one yet. I talk with clarity so that people who are old, people who are young can get it. You've got to get it. A six-year-old can understand this this morning. If they don't leave here with nothing else, they know that when their friend comes up to them with a magazine in their hand, they're supposed to walk away. Look at Kendrick turning through his Bible. See, this is how young people avoid having the same testimonies that you and I I have. Gabe's not supposed to do some of the things I did. I'm supposed to sit down with him and say, son, now listen here. By about the age of 12, your body's going to start craving something. When mom and dad are upstairs in the bed, your body's going to want to go down to HBO. That's why we don't have it in our house. Your body's going to want certain other things. Your body's going to want to participate. It's a natural affection, but it can be distorted by wickedness. Come on. Don't give yourself any credit. Romans chapter seven. Will y'all grace me two minutes this morning? Romans chapter seven, verse number 18. This is how you know you are evil, wicked. Now you're saved. See, I clarify. You're saved if you're born again. But in your flesh, you're wicked. Now, let me go ahead and clarify again. If you are in sexual sin, I am going to shout it from the rooftop. I showed it to you in scripture. You are not saved. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there was this young boy who was sleeping with his dad's wife. Paul said, turn him over for the destruction of his flesh that his soul, watch this, might be saved. It wasn't even guaranteed. He might get saved. You see, when his T cells are low and he has lost 132 pounds and he's at CMC with tubes in every arm, he might come to God at that point. Turn them over. We don't like that because we're okay with our black men having to go and get treatment. We're okay with our black women, pretty, beautiful black girls. It busts my heart, black ladies, rather. And we're okay with them having to come see the therapist and counseling and say what happened to them. This is why I preach with so much passion. I'm going to give you a story in just a second. But listen to what he says in Romans chapter 7. I hope this is blessing you. Verse number 18. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Somebody shout wicked. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. For the good that I would do, I do not. But the evil which I should not do, that I do. Now I know that if that I would not, it is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Paul says, my flesh doesn't have any good things, Sharon. 
I have any good thing to offer, Candace. My flesh is no good. My flesh is wicked. That's why the Lord set up Kingdom Christian Church to get people to heaven so that their flesh can't win out, so that their flesh can't send them to a fiery hell, so that their flesh cannot cause them to succumb. But then he says this, and we skip over this verse. Don't skip over it. Verse number 21. I find then a law. Somebody shout a law. That when I would do good, evil is present with me. The fact that your flesh is wicked is a law. It's set in stone. How do you know that, Gabe? Gravity, same word, is a law. (laughs) You see, if I don't believe in gravity, and I go do what Kurt Franklin did at the edge of a stage. (laughs) Sometimes I have to fight back the will to laugh at them folks. I said, that's what you get, wearing pink lipstick, <laughs> falling off the stage. You know, he did fall off the stage. Uh-huh. That's what you get. But, um, but that's not right, y'all. See, I told you in my flesh, you all know good thing. I got to come back in, too. That's wrong. I'm not supposed to be happy about that. But if I come and jump off this stage and don't believe in gravity, you know what's going to happen, Courtney? I'm going to twist my ankle, girl. I am going to get hurt. Because I don't believe in gravity. I'm not going to demonstrate it either because I'll embarrass myself. I don't believe in gravity, Desiree. I'm jumping off the stage. No, it's a law. What goes up must come down. Oh, my time is out, mama. But check this out. If you do not believe in gravity, if you do not believe in the law, your flesh, your body will always run you. You will always be driven by the flesh. That's why you got to fast and pray. You will always be driven by what you want. That's why every now and then you can't have no food at all. You got to do some liquid fasting. Oh, you got to fast until it hurts. You got to lay before the Lord. You got to pray. Because see, when you do liquid fast, you don't even feel like doing anything. Your body gets tired. You get sleepy. You're delirious. But you got to say, Lord, I'm, I'm weary, but I'm killing this flesh. I bring this flesh subject to your spirit. I bring this flesh down so that you might arise. I don't want to be in this mess anymore. I'm not answering that call anymore. You're not in my cell phone anymore. You don't have access to me anymore. Don't call me when you come into town. Let me tell you something. And my time is out. But God wants some people to know this morning that even your healings. Listen to me. This is for more than one lady in here. The fact that you have certain problems in your flesh is connected to a lifestyle. Your healings. This doesn't apply to everybody now, just so you know. But there's some ladies specifically, I hear it in the spirit, that female problem will prevail as long as you stay in sexual sin. You see, your body will cry out. You sin against your own body. Your body will let you know you're in sin. Your body will remind you of some things. Can I tell you a brief story? And I redact the names. I dare not breach anyone's confidentiality. You all know that. You know I'm a licensed therapist, and I would never tell you uh, who the person is. They don't go here, whatever the case may be. But a few years ago, about seven years ago, and my time is almost out, and I want to make sure right in here, I don't want any music or anything. I want you to hear me. We're going to have music in just a second. But right in here, this is important. I want even the musicians to hear this. Y'all can come on in. But I'll never forget, a few years ago, Sharon, and I'm going to call this lady, I'm not going to call her name, but I'm going to call her Sherry for the purposes of this message. 
Sherry came to see me complaining that she had relationship problems and that her boyfriend at the time was sometimey. He was in today and out tomorrow. You see, Sherry would come and Sherry would tell me how she could not break free. She said, Dr. Rogers, you understand, I got to go back to him. I just love him. But I say, Sherry, listen, you, if you don't leave this man, it's going to kill you. And Dr. Rogers said, you don't get it. You see, you're, you're further along in your walk. See, she thought she was saved. You're further along in what you do. I said, Sherry, Regina, Reggie, I said, Sherry, Tina, Glenn, if you don't leave this man, Sometimes when I'm counseling with people, the Holy Ghost will rise up in me with indignation. And I'll say, listen, if you don't make this change, it's going to take you out. Sherry kept going back and forth with this man. She even had nerve to ask me, can I bring him to counseling? I said, no, he doesn't need to come. You need to leave him alone. He's going to kill you. I never met the man a day in my life. This is not a figment of my imagination. I'm not making this up saying, so God, I'm out of here this morning. Sherry kept seeing me about the seven times she came to her counseling session one fateful day. She said, Dr. Rogers, I've been feeling a little weak in my body right lately. I don't really understand what's going on with me. I don't understand what the problem is. I said, well, Sherry, you might need to go to the doctor. Um, something doesn't sound right about those symptoms. Of course, I know some symptoms, but those don't sound right. Sherry Aaron went to the doctor, came back. She said, Dr. Gabe, they decided to do a, some battery of testing on me. She said, let's uh, pray. Will you pray for me that whatever it is, the Lord will take care of it. I said, Sherry, I'm going to touch and agree with you. I want God to take care of it. This still warms my heart today. It breaks my heart. She came back to me, Melinda. About two, three weeks, because that's how long it took for these tests to be in. She sat down on my couch and she said to me, this is not to over-dramatize the situation. She looked me in the eye. She said, Dr. Rogers, I'm HIV positive. Let it be quiet right now. <clears throat> this, is why, this is why I don't want her to tune me up today. I'm HIV positive. You see, I just found out why I was feeling so weak. I just found out, but I'm keeping the faith, Dr. Rob. But golly, I'm hurting. I'm broken. I just found out why I've been like this. You see, if you play with your life, if you play Russian roulette, the time will come to where it will be too late for uh-oh. This is a very serious moment. I still don't want any music. I want everyone to stand to your feet. This is so important. I never want to with any of the good people here. Oh, I love my sister Courtney and Candace and Aaron and Tasha and Dawn and Pam and, and the brothers, Patrick. It's not limited to women. Love my sisters. Visitors, I love you. You know that. I never want to have, and I have had more cases just like that. You see, if it's out there, somebody's getting it. Right now, this is not a time to be bashful. I'm going to do two separate prayers, and, and we're, we're ending church today. We had a great time. The Spirit of the Lord moved. It's moving right now. Right now, I need some people, and no one's going to ask, me what you're, ask you what you're doing. 
No one's going to ask you what the problem is. No one's going to call you out. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to say anything publicly over the mic. I got wisdom. I know how to handle an altar. I'm not going to spray you up, but I'm telling you today is the day for you to come right with the Lord. I want everyone in here to close your eyes. Let me pray a prayer. This is serious. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray over your children now. You had them to hear this message today for a reason, because somebody is on the wake of a decision where the enemy would keep them captive. Lord, I, I don't know why you've been having me in these strong teachings lately. Maybe it's because you're going to crack the sky any minute now. I don't know. But Lord, I'm praying for my brother or sister that they will come to this altar and that they'll make an open show of the power of God and his delivering authority. I want you now, if you're in here, I want you to come meet me at the altar right now. Doesn't matter where you are. <clears throat> come meet me. God bless you, brothers. Come meet me at this altar. That's right. That's right. Bless you. Bless you, Mike. God is moving. God is moving. That's right, my brother. God bless you, man. I need it right where it is. These are not the only brothers. I, man, these are just God bless you, sisters. Look at God. You see, these are people who are serious. These people right here, they'll go to heaven because they could care less what you think. They're not trying to save face. They don't care. They don't, and you don't have to know what their struggle is. You don't, know, you don't have to know what they do. That's not important. And I'm not bashing those of you who are at your seat. Some of you don't have that problem. But I can promise you there are more of you who need to meet me here. I know that. God bless you. See, this is the way you repent. This is the way you get to heaven. Remember I told you that if you don't answer this call today, that Satan was going to sear your conscience, that you were going to be so lascivious, that the devil was going to have his free reign in your life like never before, that you will be able to sit down with me one day and say, Pastor, I got something I got to tell you. And you know what I did with that sister, Erin? Oh, I prayed for her. I said, God, please heal her. I don't know what God did. She stopped coming to see me after that. I hope she made it to heaven. But I do know this, just like Magic Johnson, who is worth over $500 million, yet he takes all kinds of medicines to keep his form. If you ever see him on broadcasting, look at his face. Lips are pink. Doesn't even look healthy. He's buffed himself up. But he doesn't look healthy. I'm telling you this morning, I'm not swaying away. Christina, I do presentations down at the health department. I don't care. I, I could care less. That's why I use my Ph.D. so I can get in those places and tell people the truth. Do you really think abstinence works? Yes. Stop. If you don't stop, it will kill you. It will take. And don't you deceive yourself. That was one of the points. We don't need music right now. Don't you deceive yourself. Don't you think that a condom is going to stop God from judging you? Condoms mean nothing to God. Oh, condoms are 99.9% .9 sure. God will get in the 0.1%. <laughs> yes, he will. He'll get in that 0.1% that and ooze right on up in your body. Change the rest of your life. Mess your life up. I got two prayers to do. 
You people are serious about your walk. I want you to just close your eyes, lift your hand. If you've come down here with a repentant heart, I want you to repeat after me. This is the deliverance part. Now watch this. Repeat this after me. First Corinthians four, second Corinthians four teaches us that we renounce the hidden things of darkness. That means we get rid of it. Nobody has to know what your darkness is. But I want you to open up your mouth right now and I want you to begin to renounce whatever it is. I'm not going to sensationalize this moment. It can be homosexual sexuality. Nobody has to hear you. You just renounce it. Lord, I denounce it. I denounce infidelity in the name of Jesus. I'm going to call out a few. I denounce masturbation in the name of Jesus. I denounce wicked thoughts in the name of Jesus. I denounce sleeping with my boyfriend, cheating on my wife. I don't care. And I'm telling you, I, I love you guys this morning. This, this is what church is all about. This is what we should be doing on Sunday. It should be inspirational. You should be shouting because one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine people might actually get to heaven now. Just begin to renounce those things. Now, here's what you got to do. You got to pray this prayer because, see, once you renounce Satan, you got to replace it with true, true salvation. Some of you at the altar may have thought you were saved. No, you got to say, no, I'm serious now. God, I'm ready to get saved. I know Exodus 32 teaches me that you will blot my name out of the book. Chances are I've been blotted out by now. I need to give my heart back to you. Pray this prayer with me. You at your seat prayed as well. Dear Lord, I confess my sins before you. I confess to you that I am a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross. For my sins. And as a result of that, I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord. As a result, I am saved. Now, I need the loudest praise to happen. Come on. 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 Raise the roof. Raise the roof. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you that Mike's not going to hell, Jesus. Thank you that Elvis not going to hell. Come on. 